The New Orleans Saints 2023 NFL Draft won't be known as the best class coming out of the weekend, but it is one of the most solid and exactly what the New Orleans Saints needed. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another Monday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a daily episode. And as always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me Tuesdays on Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, apparently Adam Troutman wanted out. We'll also take a look at what we learned about the Saints with the NFL draft now in the rearview mirror. But first, what are we grading this New Orleans Saints draft class? And I, I, I kind of broke this down a little bit in my last live stream post day three, but I wanted to kind of reprise this conversation where I had some time to maybe get a little bit more into the conversation. So I gave this New Orleans Saints draft class a B, but that's not to say that I didn't like it. That's not to say that there was anything wrong with it. That's not to say that there was anything that necessarily kept it from being an A about their selections. It was more about what they didn't do. And also what they didn't need to do in the first place. So it was a good thing that they didn't do those things. So let, let's break it all down. So the reason why I give this draft class a B is because I think that's what the New Orleans Saints needed. First of all, I think they needed a B draft. They needed these guys that weren't necessarily the super high ceiling guys that can also be complete flops. And instead, they went with safer picks. I think the most risky selection that you have in this year's draft might be Brian Brzee, who is also one of the safest picks in this year's draft. And it's only because of previous medicals, not medicals that he's coming in with and things like that. So I think that with all of that, I, if that's the biggest risk that you took in this year's draft, I think you're in a pretty good place because Brian Brzee, in terms of what his most recent medical issues were, we're talking about kidney infections, things like that, things that were kind of fluky. You can look at the ACL injury years ago. You can look at the shoulder injury, which didn't really seem to have that much of an issue. He did have to get surgery, but I mean, the, the impact in 2022 for him was minimal. But then you look at the ACL injury now, two years removed from that, feeling pretty good. He had that kidney issue last year. That was a fluky thing. So I think that's your biggest risk in this draft, and that's fine. You might also look at Kendra Miller's right knee, but that seems like everything's fine there too. So I don't think that the Saints did anything that is going to put them in a situation to where this guy is either going to hit or he's not going to hit at all, which has been sort of their previous investments. This year, it feels a lot more like it's either these guys are going to perform spectacularly well and above expectation or to expectation. And either way, that's a win for you. You don't have the sort of Anthony Richardson in this class that is a guy that has immense talent that is the most unique prospect that we have seen in the modern day NFL at the quarterback position, but then might also not pan out at all. There's nothing like that 
in this New Orleans Saints draft class. You look at every single one of these selections and their safety there, even with the edge rusher selection of Isaiah Foskey in the second round, which is a position that the Saints have been mostly bang or bust on. But this time you've grabbed a guy that even if he just performs to his base level, is at least going to meet expectations for you and be a rotational player that's going to be able to be disruptive in the backfield and has the speed to help you match up against mobile quarterbacks. Not a, No injury history of concern, no you know lack of production at the previous level. In fact, he was the all-time leader in sacks for his career at 26 and a half for a history program in Notre Dame. I mean, how much safer can you get here from a guy that is still a little bit developmental? And then you look beyond that, and then you've got a guys, bunch of guys that are solid in terms of what you're going to ask them to do. So I do think that that is something that earns you at least a B grade, and you have the opportunity to maybe move up to an A grade there. But there are a couple things that the Saints didn't do, right? Not only did they not address tight end, but they made their tight end room weaker. We'll look at why that happened a little bit later. Makes you feel a little bit better about it when you hear why the Saints traded away Adam Troutman as opposed to it just being sort of a, a, a deal that they made up out of nowhere to get up for A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest, who we're all very excited about, but didn't address and in fact made that position a little bit weaker. Didn't address linebacker in the draft, but they did bring in a couple of solid linebackers and undrafted free agency and Nick Anderson and Anthony Orgy. If you want to hear more about them, make sure you come back for tomorrow's episode. We'll be breaking down all of the undrafted free agent class then. But or at least highlighting the some of the best out of the undrafted free agent class. But those positions just didn't get addressed in this year's class. So maybe that knocks them down a little bit. But I love that they didn't do what they didn't need to do, which is take some massive risk. They didn't trade important future draft capital. They moved a fourth round pick from next year in order to be able to get up and go and grab Jay Kaner, the quarterback out of Fresno State. But they're in line for two more compensatory fourth round selections and potentially a sixth round selection in next year's draft. So not that big of a deal to have that be the case. I mean, oftentimes when we did our mocks here on the show, we traded a future fourth because we knew that there were some compensatory selections in line to show up in that round for next year anyway. And the New Orleans Saints sort of looked at it the same way. So I like the way that they navigated their trade board. I like that they utilized their seventh round picks in order to be able to move up. I like that the only thing that they shipped off that was a future asset was... um was that fourth round selection. And that the one player that got moved, which rarely happens for the New Orleans Saints, by the way, it's very rare that they trade away a player on draft day. The only reason why they did it was because he wanted out. And so we'll we'll discuss that story here in a little bit. But all of that for me comes together for a B grade. If I did pluses and minuses, I might go up to A minus, but to me an A minus is just a B, so I go with B, right? An A is an A, Anything below that is not an A. So that's, I don't do pluses and minuses and stuff like that. So that's another reason why I give them a B. But I think a B draft is exactly what it is that they needed. They needed sure things or sure-er things than sort of the landmark type of selections that are going to be boom or bust, that are going to be these hyper-athletic, really, really outstanding players in the NFL, or that are just going to pan out Jamarcus Russell style. And so I think the Saints needed to avoid those potential extremes. And I think they did a fantastic job doing that. So the B grade is an A for the Saints because that's exactly what it is that they needed. The only thing that would have put it over the top for me, uh, and, and actually what I'll say instead of that, because we kind of highlight it, right? The thing that would have put them over the top in terms of being an A is if they would have swung from one of those you know, big time players, but then that would have required them trading future draft capital. That would have 
come with the risk of being in a, a you know a complete bust and things like that. So I, I think even that would bring a little bit of precaution, you know, a little bit feel a little bit cautionary around it, but it'd be easier to kind of give that an A. The other thing that I didn't expect for this New Orleans Saints draft class, though, is that there's seven of them. I thought the Saints were going to walk in to this draft with eight picks and walk out with five or six. It was one of the reasons why I didn't like using the late round pick on the quarterback because I thought, well, if you're only going to pick five or six players, quarterback can't be one of them. But they picked seven, including the quarterback. So that was something that kind of lightened the blow for me when it came to the late round quarterback and the expectation around the late round quarterback not being a starter, but instead being a backup helps a ton as well. So I I like what the New Orleans Saints did in this year's draft. I give it a B, a solid grade, and that has an absolute opportunity by the end of training camp to turn into an A after we see these guys healthy and out on the field. So the Saints did something that I didn't expect with those seven selections and drafting a quarterback late. And both of those things teach us a little something about the New Orleans Saints over draft weekend. So what are three things that we learned about them? We'll take a look at that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Incredible flavors like mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, peanut butter puff, if you like those fluffernutter sandwiches, and every single one of these bars covered in 100% chocolate. And I know that that sounds like it is going to be completely filled with sugar, jam-packed with bad things like calories and stuff like that, that you don't need. But check this out. Just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and around 17, 18 grams of protein on average with these bars. It does not get any better than Built Bar. You can find their entire collection over at Built.com. But if you've got a Walmart or a Sam's Club near you, you can head there and grab yourself a box of Built as well. Walmart's got the four-bar box over in their pharmacy section of some elite flavors. And then some of the most elite flavors as well are over at Sam's Club in the 13-bar box like churro and brownie batter. So go check them out today, Walmart, Sam's Club, and at Built.com. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. We just gave our grade to the New Orleans Saints 2023 NFL draft class, but what did the draft class and the selections made teach us about the New Orleans Saints? That's what we're on to here next. Appreciate you as always. Make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We're going to do a deep dive into some of the key members of the undrafted free agent class that the New Orleans Saints brought in as well. Who has the best shot to make the roster? We'll go over all of that in tomorrow's Tuesday episode today we're looking at the grades and now we're looking at what it is that the new orleans saints taught us like what did we learn about the new orleans saints based on their 2023 nfl draft the first thing i want to start off with here is that this is dennis allen's team and this is the opportunity that should have been allotted at this point this is exactly the way that it should have been that you're coming in and you're building a team for your head coach and that you're coming in and you're building a team for the guy that you trust to run your organization to to be the head coach of your franchise Don't give him Sean Payton's roster. Give him his roster. That's one of the reasons why I thought, especially after they did not land Deshaun Watson a year ago, that I always thought no matter how poorly 2022 could have gone, that 2023 was always going to be the proving year for Dennis Allen. And this is great for for DA. He's got you know he's got to prove himself this year. The team has to win this year. Otherwise, they have every right to move on and look for another option at head coach. There's no doubt about that. But in order to really give Dennis Allen a fair shot at this, he needed to be able to have his guys around him. He's got his coaches. He's got his quarterbacks or his quarterback. He's well, quarterbacks, plural now. He's got his draft class. He's got all of it, two straight draft classes, in fact. And we saw 
sort of the the Chris Olave, Trevor Pitting, Alante Taylor one two three last year being such a huge deal. Now this year you roll out of that, and then you go into Brian Brzee, Isaiah Foskey, Kendra Miller, and then Nick Saldaveri. You're rebuilding the defensive line. You're giving help to your offensive line. You're rebuilding your offensive attack. You add At Perry, who's going to help with your offensive attack. You add Jordan Howden, who's going to be able to help with special teams and potentially be a backup to Bradley Roby and potentially you'll be a backup to Marcus May because of how versatile he is over on the defensive side. You watched him come in and bring in guys like Jonathan Abrams, uh, Jonathan Abrams, excuse me, as well as Lania Johnson Jr. and 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 uh, Ugo Amadi and Troy Pride Jr. Like just rebuilding this team, Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, just having a real opportunity here to put his stamp on this roster and particularly over on the defensive side, which is he's been one of the most elite team builders on the defensive side for the past handful of years. And so I, I dig this for Dennis Allen. I don't think that it means that he's you know going to go out there and have a great season in 2023. They still have to put that all together on the field. And that's why training camp, mini camps, all that stuff is going to be so important. But just in terms of what we learned about this team is that in 2023, this is going to be Dennis Allen's team. And so that's good for a guy who needs to be able to prove you know, that he is the guy that, that the Saints believe him to be this year. He gets to do that with the guys that he trusts around him. Uh, number two, the Saints have changed the way that they look at developing young quarterbacks. This is a, a franchise that really hasn't developed a young quarterback. The only quarterback they've ever drafted that has started you know, a legitimate games for them is, is Archie Manning. They brought in Drew Brees via, you know, free agency. They brought in Jameis Winston via free agency, Taysom Hill via undrafted, well, via free agency. There's a whole bunch in terms of how they have addressed that position in the open market. Derek Carr, of course, a part of that. Andy Dalton was a part of that, uh, as well as several others. I'm just using recent examples. But, um, you know, the selection of Jake Hayner is one that, you know, I poo-pooed the idea of taking a quarterback rounds three and beyond with the expectation that they'll develop into starting quarterbacks. I don't think that one will because that's just what the odds tell us one out of 75 for the last 10 years before this draft. But I think taking seven players makes it a little bit easier. And the expectation for Hayner is not that he's going to be a starting quarterback. That's just not the expectation right now because they have Derek Carr in the building. The expectation is that he develops into hopefully a, a, a you know a long-term backup for them. And then if he turns into a starter beyond Derek Carr, then fantastic. Then they win either way in that case. It's the same thing as what I mentioned about the draft class in the first place. If all these players only match expectation for their entire career, then this is a solid draft class. This is a good draft class that will contribute to wins. If there are players that exceed expectations, then it's even more of a win for the New Orleans Saints. That applies to Jake Hayner as well. But I think that the Saints having the foresight of saying, okay, draft a quarterback, develop. That way there's someone in the building that they trust in case something happens that they built, that they bred, that they did, you know, that they worked with, all of that. And Ronald Curry never really had gotten the opportunity to develop a young quarterback yet. He got one year with Ian Book before Ian Book was shipped out. So I think Jay Kaner is somebody to, to pay attention to. I think this is a good selection for Ronald Curry. This is a good selection for the New Orleans Saints. And it just shows a changed sort of perspective of the quarterback position that the Saints will actively be in the market consistently to try to improve that position, to try to address that position and try to have secession plans in place as opposed to having to quickly try to build one after your Hall of Fame quarterback leaves. That was a big misstep by the New Orleans Saints. Now it looks like they're ready to start avoiding that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them continuously dip into the quarterback pool over the course of the next couple of years while Derek Carr is the starting quarterback. And number three, and finally, um, 
This team's going to be active, I think, in post-compensatory free agency. Remember, as free agency period, as the free agency period is open, could the compensatory free agency period is the predominant period. That basically is from the new league year to or, or the beginning of free agency to the NFL draft or through the NFL draft. And as players are signed, as they leave teams, those teams can earn some compensatory draft picks in the future draft based upon that player's contract, that player's snap counts, that player's end-of-year awards, stuff like that. Similarly, though, as you sign players, those players can cancel out some of the losses that you've had and therefore some of the compensatory selections that you're in line for the next season. That period comes to an end at 4 p.m. today on Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. So I expect the Saints to be pretty active in that free agency market. They didn't address linebacker in the draft. They didn't address tight end in the draft, and they haven't added a ton of tackle depth, although Nick Saldaveri can play tackle for you. They see him as an inside guy, and then they added Storm Norton this offseason. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints go after maybe some veteran linebackers, go after maybe some veteran tight ends. And I think a guy like Cameron Brait from across the division in Tampa Bay, that could be an option for them. Um, you look at guys like, uh, who's the other? Is Jordan Powell, I think, is another that's out there. You've also got you know, Foster Moreau, who the Saints brought in on an undrafted free agency visit before the draft and before they traded away Adam Troutman. And in the midst of his physical, they diagnosed, you know, they found the, the Hoskins lymphoma diagnosis, potentially saved the guy's life. They could still sign him, put him on the non-football injury list, and then activate him once he's medically cleared, which is expected to be mid-season. They would have the opportunity to do that. So I would see the Saints as spenders in post-compensatory free agency as that period begins to open up here throughout this week and then next week ahead of mini camps in the middle of May. So those are the three things I think that we learned about the New Orleans Saints. This is Dennis Allen's team and they built around them. Uh, they are, are looking at developing and uh, intent on developing a young quarterback and we should expect them to be spenders in post-compensatory free agency. Now, the next thing we should look at is one of the reasons why they should be expected to be spenders in post-compensatory free agency is because of the trade of Adam Troutman. But that trade of Adam Troutman didn't come out of nowhere. He asked for it. Let's get more into detail on that as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Put a Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Houdet Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at the Adam Troutman situation. New Orleans Saints traded away Adam Troutman and a seventh round pick in order to jump up into the sixth round at pick 198 overall to draft A.T. Perry, the explosive, big, fast, strong wide receiver out of Wake Forest. So what happened? Why did the New Orleans Saints trade away Adam Troutman? Because look, there's no way that the Saints looked at their tight end room and said, we have an excess of tight ends here and feel like Adam Troutman is a, a player that we could ship. Um, I just don't believe that that's the case. I, I love Juwan Johnson in, in this team, and I think that he is far and away your, your, your tight end one. No, no competition. Even Adam Troutman wasn't competition to Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson deserved to get the majority of the snaps at the position uh, as a blocker, as a pass catcher. He does it all. But I also think you've got, you know, uh, unproven guys at the position behind him. You've got, you know, Miller Forrestal, who, you know, we, we haven't seen yet. You've got Taysom Hill, who, look, just is not going to play enough tight end to be uh, an asset in the tight end room that you sit back and go, OK, we've got a tight end, don't need anything else. I don't think you can do that because you're going to see him take 10 snaps at quarterback every game and line up in the backfield and do all these other things. You need to have these other tight ends. 
Lucas Kroll is the guy that I'm going to keep an eye out on throughout training camp and that I'm most excited about. I think he's going to get an opportunity and a fair opportunity to prove himself. I think he's a potential shoe in for the 53-man roster, but we don't know yet. What if he goes out on training camp and lays an egg, right? We don't think that's going to be the case because he certainly didn't do that last year. He looked great in training camp last year, and he only got so much opportunity in 2023, particularly toward the, or 2022, particularly toward the end of the season. But I think that he's somebody that is going to get a fair shot, that's going to get an opportunity in training camp and absolutely deserves it and hopefully rises to that occasion. But that shouldn't be the end of the position for the New Orleans Saints. They should go out and try to find another tight end to add to the room. So how did they get here in the first place? So Adam Troutman traded to the Denver Broncos. He'll reunite with Sean Payton out there. We got further clarification thanks to uh, a, a late evening post that came from uh, Nine News, our, 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 our friends and family. Uh, part of the Tegna family, along with Locked On and everything, over in Denver. They're basically the WWL of Denver, if you if you want to think about it that way. And so um, they posted a piece with with uh, Denver Broncos insider Mike Kliss, who does a lot of excellent work over there. Basically, an interview with Adam Troutman, who explained that he wanted to be traded. He asked to be traded from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and so I, I have a couple of quotes here from the piece. Uh, he said, oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I was actually hoping to get moved. I was the one, it was initiated by me personally. I've been waiting for uh, a little bit for something to materialize. And it just happened to be the Broncos. Obviously, he said that they felt like he was being placed in somewhat of a box that they put a limit the Saints did on his ability to be able to contribute and that he felt like he would be able to contribute a lot more. Boy, howdy, there's a lot in that. Um, so the thing that I want to start with here is that I don't know that the Saints necessarily limited Adam Troutman more than Adam Troutman just simply was limited, right? I mean, his when he came into the NFL, they wanted him to learn how to block. He was progressing in that area, but then you saw the consistent drops. You saw the inability to separate. You saw the inability to high point passes and win in contested catch situations and things like that. I, I, I don't know how much of that was maybe Adam feeling like he was placed in the, the wrong place at the right time or wrong time, stuff like that, or that maybe pass location, things like that, like weren't putting him in, in, in position to succeed. But he saw a lot of snaps and he saw a lot of opportunity and he just didn't, didn't pan out. Now, I don't want to get to the point here to where I'm like sitting here and I'm saying, well, Adam Troutman's actually a bad player and that's why he got shipped because I don't believe that. I, I think that Adam Troutman has a ton to contribute to a team. And I think that any player with his, simply his physical stature at that position is going to have a lot of things that he can inherently contribute. But the thing about it is that you're getting traded to a Sean Payton team and you're out here poo-pooing the idea that you were asked to block. That's not going to be a great look for you with Sean Payton in the locker room, who is one of the first guys that when you were drafted said, okay, but we need you to learn how to block, right? Like that was Sean Payton that did that. And now he's going to Sean Payton and saying, well, you know, I think I can do more than just block. And I hated the fact that I was pigeonholed and asked to block. That just seems like not the greatest. It's not a good look for you going into a Sean Payton offense. And so, you know, I, I think th what this does though, is that it gives you some insight um, in terms of why the Saints ended up making that trade, that it wasn't just about like, oh, we want A.T. Perry, we don't like Adam Troutman, swap one for the other. It, it was that Adam Troutman asked to be traded, and that's why he got shipped out. Because I do think that there's a lot of us that looked at that trade and went, okay, great that you got A.T. Perry, but man, like shipping out Adam Troutman like, just doesn't make sense because the tight end room already needed work. And then now you're shipping out a tight end, but now we have some idea about why that happened. Cat uh, Terrell from over at ESPN giving us a, a little bit more, um, giving us a little bit more detail here that he actually asked for the trade 
back in February, the Broncos had been interested for a long time and knew that trade was potentially coming the day of the draft. Um, They didn't necessarily know that it would be Denver until later in the process, but Denver was interested. And Dennis Allen kind of highlighted that too, to where, you know, they had kind of been looking at trade partners and things like that. They knew that Denver would be interested in Adam Troutman, and that's why they felt comfortable, you know, making that phone call and then eventually making the move. And so that's that's how it worked out. You effectively traded Adam Troutman and a seventh round selection for a sixth round selection to get wide receiver A.T. Perry. And we'll see what A.T. Perry turns into. But, you know, if he does more in New Orleans than Adam Troutman did, then it's a win for the New Orleans Saints. And so, look, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and like bad talk a player who said that they wanted out. Go and get what you need. If you're in a system that you feel like isn't utilizing you, if you want to be out, get out of that organization. Go somewhere, ask to be traded, do all of that. I think he did the right thing if that's how he felt, right? Like if he truly felt that way, then I think he did the right thing. I think the worst thing that you can do for an organization and for yourself is stay where you're not happy. That just, that that creates locker room problems. That creates sort of those cultural issues. That creates, you know, an inability to get things done on the field. Sometimes that creates a, le- you know, a, a, you know, lethargic nature of how you present yourself on the field, how you execute things on field, stuff like that. So good on Adam Troutman for not falling into that first before asking for that trade and just asking for the trade and getting things rolling. So I, I think that this works out in, in the best interest for both the New Orleans Saints as well as, as well as Adam Troutman. But it does mean that the New Orleans Saints are going to have to find somebody to add to the tight end position. Um, and I think they absolutely will, will do that. I think tight end and linebacker are two places that they'll continue to address. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to address the defensive interior as well. Because even with Brian Brzee added, there's still only five players in that room. And they might carry five on the active roster in the interior uh, on any given season. So you probably want more than that going into camp. So that's the way that I look at it. But that's the reason why Adam Trapman was shipped out. He asked back in February. It made sense on draft day. The Saints had a target that they wanted to go and get. It worked out for everybody. So coming up in tomorrow's episode, we're going to take a look at the undrafted free agent class headlined by guys like Tulane's Nick Anderson, South Carolina statewide receiver Shaq Davis, and many others, including also a guy that I want to make sure that you get introduced to. And somebody that my good friend... um uh, Darian Gray from over at Locked on HBCU put me on to, and that is Mark Evans, the uh, offensive lineman that is also on his way from another HBCU. I'm a big fan of these guys, and I'm a big fan of all of the additions that are coming into the New Orleans Saints room here. Uh, that that HBCU that Mark Evans is coming from, UAPB, by the way, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, same place that Teron Armstead came from. So lots of good stuff on the way for you tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. We're going to get into um, defensive line alignments, text, things like that on Wednesday for Midweek Fundamental, just to introduce you a little bit more to guys like Isaiah Foskey and Brian Brzee. And look out for bonus episodes breaking down every single draft prospect as well. We're going to have a lot of fun here throughout the week on Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making us a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show as always. If you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.